Your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. The Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. You have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I want you to know that if you're visiting our show for the first time today, we want to give you a quick shout out and a thank you for joining our show this morning. I want to promise you that your investment of 60 minutes are going to reap fantastic rewards because you've taken the time to learn and hear and absorb content that is designed to help you thrive. And that's what this show is all about, the success of of this show has been delivering quality content, excellent broadcasting, really in incredible speakers who've got interesting and fascinating stories to share about their journeys as they've thrived through life. And they're on the show joining us in order to give you a little bit of the insight, a little bit of what they've gone through, a little bit of their story so that you can take away from it what you feel works best for you to help you thrive. So that's what the show is all about. So you first time listeners, you're going to get some of that today. I promise you that. And for those of you that are coming back and continuing to to make this part of a weekly calendar, a weekly schedule uh, of your thrive-minded activity, I know that you're coming back because the content is certainly delivering for you what you have uh, desired it to, and that's why you keep coming back. So we appreciate you as well for your continuing support of this show. By the way, if you're visiting the show for the very first time, I want you to know that part of coming back to the show is being able to catch some of our prior episodes. I promise you, our episodes are located uh, at our archive section. And as they are located there, I want to share with you, you're going to find yourself binge hearing some of these episodes because they're that good. They really are that good. And as you continue to hear some of the prior episodes and some of the content that we've been delivering is going to encourage you to continue to come back Sunday after Sunday at 11 a.m., either here as we air it live or as we have it as a replay on all of our social media platforms. So make sure that you visit my show site, the jmamietalkshow.com. It'll give you a chance to click that button, the archive section, and listen to the prior shows. And while you're there, have a look at all of our upcoming guests. We've got a tremendous lineup of guests coming up now in April that I believe will inspire you to make this part of your, your calendar. By the way, if you're going to be online anyhow, then you might as well hop over to the personal site, my personal site, thejmamie.com. It'll give you a chance to check out some of our blogs, some of our videos, some of our other content. And part of that content, by the way, is what I'm really excited about. And that's the upcoming release of my next book. I can't believe it. Ten books, ten books later, uh, I, I can't believe this journey has taken me through uh, a series of books that have inspired, have impacted, have influenced others for their good and the good of the world. And this next book is going to be one of those that I believe will inspire those in ways that they didn't think could be possible. The book is called Thriveology, action-stoking, thought-provoking quotes and phrases. Guys, that book will be out very, very soon. Keep an eye out for their official release. Uh, that's going to be up at our website as well. And while you're there, why not follow me on all of my other handles? A lot of you are starting to follow me and start to uh, re- correspond with me. And I love all the comments and feedbacks that are coming in from every single one of you, not only locally, but also around the world, as our show was not only heard locally here in Dallas, but it's also heard nationally and internationally as well. 
Well, you could track me down on my social media platforms. My Twitter is at the J Mamie. My Instagram is at the J Mamie. You could track me down also on LinkedIn, uh, J Mamie on the LinkedIn. You can find me there. My Facebook page, the J Mamie, also is another way to uh, to find out what I'm up to. And smash that like button while you're there, so that way, as I post and bring good content, you have a chance to follow up and see what's happening with me as well. Now today's show is something that I think for you is going to give you things to consider. Now, I tell you, today's show is is driven towards uh, men in a way, although the content really could be for anybody. But the men are, are the ones that I'm targeting in this show. And by the way, just, just, just so that you know, ladies, the rest of my programming for the month of April is going to be geared towards women. Uh, I've got a host of incredible women that are going to be on the show coming up in April. Uh, I know I'm running behind on internet. International Women's Month, but we're going to do it in April. <laughs> so the next couple of weeks is going to be all ladies on this show. And I like that. And I like the fact that they're going to bring some fantastic content with what they're doing. Some extraordinary women around the world that are going to be a part of the, sh- the, the show programming coming up over the next couple of weeks. So you don't want to miss it. But today's show, I'm excited because we've got one of the premier coaches, one of the premier speakers and mentors who works predominantly with men. He's one of the prominent voices in personal and professional coaching. And uh, he's not only the founder and the creator of Lion Group, but he's the founder of Embrace the Lion. Now, when when someone has a company or an organization called Embrace the Lion, you got to have the brother on the show. (laughs) So Cody Jefferson is going to be our featured guest today, and we're excited to hear from him. But our author spotlight is someone that is also making uh, his own ripples in the business world as a sales leader. He's written a fantastic book that he's going to share with us that is really geared towards those that are in positions of sales leadership and sales mentoring and management. So I'm excited to have Matt McDarby on the show today. He's going to be our featured author spotlight coming up a little bit later on in the show. So guys, as you can tell, I'm pretty jacked up about what we're going to get into today because I think once again, the content that will be delivered will help you thrive. Now, I want to start off this segment here and what I call the J. Mamie Real Talk with something that I have had a chance to speak with individuals about recently a whole lot, and that is the ability or the, not the ability so much, but the idea of promotion, the idea of promotion and the process for promotion. Now, I know there's, there is something to be said about getting a promotion, whether it's a promotion at work and your organization or, or wherever you are, that you are seeking to have another layer, another level, a new height be reached. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I want to break it down a little bit where those of you that are thrive minded could understand the process of promotion. And I don't want to limit promotion just to a a job promotion, a career promotion, uh, a business promotion, not not something academic promotion. Uh, I don't want to limit it to that because I think the concept of promotion is so broad and generic that you can apply the process of it to any area of your life. Because really the idea of, of a promotion means that you are getting to the next level, that there's a progression to a higher position, where there is greater opportunities, there's greater responsibilities, there's a greater recognition, there there comes greater reward. That's the promotion that I'm talking about. But I want you to understand that promotion doesn't necessarily come, as I mentioned, in a business or organization or career world. This promotion can come from within. Whenever you're pursuing the next level, that 
that next achievement, that advancement, that can happen in your life, that can happen in your marriage, that can happen in your parenting, that can happen in your health. It certainly can happen in your finances. It can happen in your personal ministry. It can happen in your leadership. So promotion can be external where someone else, based on your your progress and based on certain criteria, you've earned a right to qualify for a promotion based on external filters and external guidelines. But there's also promotion that can occur internally with internal guidelines that have nothing to do with job, work, or business. So I want to talk to you about promotion from a greater degree, this idea of getting to the next level, thriving to the next level, to the getting to the next tier in life. If you're going to focus on promotion, let me give you what I call the five P's of the process, the five P's of the process of promotion. And I think you'll understand what I mean when I get through this. Number one, you've got to have a product. You've got to have an actual product or a service or a new skill you've developed. That product doesn't necessarily have to be something tangible. That product, guys, could be you. You are first and foremost the product. Now, yeah, you can also have something that is tangible. As I mentioned, it could be uh, the work that you've done. It could be new skills you developed. It could be a service that you have. It could be an actual physical product. You have to have a product, but that product ultimately, guys, it's as simple as it being you. So the process of promotion starts with a viable product, and then it leads to the next phase, which is the preparation phase. That means taking the time to plan. You see, winging it, if you're serious about the next level, if you're serious about thriving, if you're serious about the next tier, advancement, promotion, then you have to plan for that promotion. You can't wing it. Winging it doesn't work. So how do you prepare? You prepare by doing the research. You prepare by gathering the data that's needed in order to make wise decisions, whether it's wise decisions in marketing, wise decision in uh, who you surround yourself with, wise decisions with who you entrust, wise decision with who you are uh, locking arms with. You have to have the time, you have to take the time to prepare these things so that you can make good decisions based on the research, based on the preparation, based on the time you've put into planning, getting around the right people who can give you the right advice and the right guidance. All that is preparation. So the process for promotion, you have to have a product. You have to prepare and you have to be persistent. That means that you continue the journey. You continue the journey no matter what. And you're persistent in growing and developing. You don't quit just in uh, one area of development. If you're going to earn that promotion, you've got to continue to be persistent in the progress towards that promotion. You don't throw in the towel too soon, but once you've made a decision that you're in it to win it, then you've got to persevere. That's the next step. You've got to persevere through the obstacles. You see, in that uh, on, on the way to promotion, you're going to have obstacles, and those obstacles oftentimes, sad enough, come in the form of people, <laughs> right? Not just circumstances surely can be obstacles, but people can be obstacles as well. You've got to persevere through that. You got to persevere through the setbacks. You got to persevere through the miscalculated decisions. You got to persevere through that. That's part of the process of promotion. And if you do all that right, then what you've got to have less, what you got to have left rather, is have you have to have patience. You have to have patience. 
ultimately, if you've got a good product, if you've prepared, if you're persistent and you've persevered through the setbacks and the heartaches and the people that you've encountered, then you have to have patience. And then you can earn the right to get a promotion. Guys, I'm excited about this. We're going to come right back with Cody Jefferson. He's going to pick up where I left off right after the break. Hey, DFW friends, if you're looking to get minor painting done around the house this spring or have your whole house painted, then you need to call my friend Damien DeClerc. He's been in the painting industry for 20 years, and his company, Pro Painting, is the future of the painting industry. They do detailed, itemized quoting so that you know the price is right. So whether the job is big or small, you can trust Pro Painting to get the job done right. At Pro Painting, they take the pain out of painting. Visit him at dfwpropainting.com. Are you aware of how important nitric oxide is to promoting healthy circulation and arterial function? At Neogen Life, we're focused on providing products that support the idea of living longer and living better. Nitric oxide is an essential molecule that plays a vital role in supporting healthy blood flow by allowing oxygen to move freely to every part of your body. And Neogen Life's Neonox can help boost your body's natural supply of nitric oxide. For more information, visit our website at neogenlife.com. At Milestone Air Conditioning, Plumbing, and Electric, we believe in having fun. Yes, but we also believe in excellence. At Milestone, we think the little details actually matter. At Milestone, we believe low-quality parts and poor service are never a good value. We believe in measuring our success by the difference we make. We believe in being the easiest company to work with in DFW. Milestone cares about being on time. We believe you should never hook up a new powerful AC unit to dirty, leaky ductwork because nobody needs to air condition their attic. Milestone cares about you, your family, and your home. And we believe our purpose is to make your life better by making you more comfortable and safe in your home. It's where you live, make memories, and raise your family. Our goal is to take care of it and care about it, just like we do our own home. Every home, every family, every single time. The Milestone Way. 570 AM KLIF. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, I've got my featured guest. I mentioned earlier in the beginning segment that Cody Jefferson is the founder of Embrace the Lion and the creator of Lion Method. So anytime you have someone who's created something with the word lion, you got to have the brother on the show, (laughs) right? Because you got to see what's going on in this man's head that he would come up with something so bold like lion. But he's a nationally recognized coach. He's a mentor, a speaker, and he's quickly becoming one of the most prominent voices in personal and professional coaching. He's been featured all over the place on Entrepreneur Magazine, USA Today. He's been on the Today Show, CBS, and a bunch more. So the brother is certainly busy, but he's got a solid message for men, for anyone really, but he's gearing his message towards kingdom-minded men. So we're happy, uh, we're very happy to have Cody on the show. Brother, welcome to the show. Man, it's so good. Uh, it's so good to be here. I'm glad that we got connected and that we're able to have this conversation. It's an honor. You know, it's an honor for me as well. And I tell you, just so that audience knows how you and I met, you actually sent me a message on LinkedIn quite a while ago. And you sent yeah. me and we connected. You sent me a message. And then I think it was the second message that you sent me that you said, hey, man, don't mean to be a stalker. <laughs> right? And I love that. And it's funny. Creativity and ingenuity is so important when you're trying to not only get somebody's attention, but persistency has a lot to do with it. And I think if you had not sent out that second message, you and I probably wouldn't have spoken and you certainly wouldn't be on the show. So sure, man. Well, kudos to you. Whole, 
Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Before we dive into a lot of goodness, brother, what you've got to share, I, I want the, our audience to get to know you a little bit better. So if you could share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So Cody Jefferson, I am from the beautiful state of Oklahoma, specifically the Tulsa area. Uh, I was in, in occupational ministry for 13 years here. Uh, so for 13 years, I walked alongside Gosh, tens of thousands of students all over the country as a youth pastor, as a worship pastor, and then serve the local community as a teaching pastor and facilitating a lot of different movements and methods within the church. You know, when you're in ministry, you wear all the hats. And so Mm -hmm. it was great. Uh, It was great until it wasn't. And so for me, I recognized uh, a little too late that I had become an addict. And by that, I just mean I was addicted to performance. I was addicted to affirmation, recognition, and all the things that come with being highly extroverted, good at most things, three wing two on the Enneagram, ENFJ, these things I didn't know at the time. All I knew was that I'm only as good as my last win, and I'm only as valuable uh, in so much that I can move something forward. And so what happened was uh, I was married uh, while I was in ministry had an amazing son who was six years old now. His name is Stetson. I'm sure we'll talk about him later. Uh, But in the midst of, of, of being in ministry, you know, I just, I ended up marrying the wrong woman. And by that, I mean, I married the church and I married my job and I married what I did. And I married the affirmation and the addiction to being known and seen and validated and celebrated and being a yes man, all things to all people working Mm. 18 a day as some sort of badge of honor. So I couldn't anymore. Walked through uh, a divorce in 2015 uh, in the midst of that, still staying in ministry because, again, all things to all people. You just got to keep the show going. Can't disappoint anyone and uh, ended up going septic as a result. My body just shut, shut down, just Mm. shut. Um, And there were some other things going on. There there was some familial loss that was, was going on. There was some trauma and some tragedy that was happening behind the scenes that was compounding all of that pain and suffering that I didn't know what to do with. Uh, But Jay, what what ended up happening is after going septic and almost dying, I recognized like my addiction to being the yes man and being the guy who's always on is, is this what is going to kill me? And so it led me to asking a question that I ask myself every morning now, which is what needs to die in me to become the man that I said that I would be. And so stepped out of occupational ministry, took a sabbatical and recognized that there was nothing that I could find that could help me address this. And over the course of two years while in ministry, I had five friends uh, commit suicide who were pastors. And that's Mm -hmm. really where this all started was what's it going to take for men to start recognizing that this addiction to affirmation, this addiction to being on and this addiction to performance and, and always having to be all things to all people, it's killing us. And so that's where Embrace the Line was born. That's where we are here. That's quite the story. And I tell you, there's, there's a lot of bravery and courage and being honest, which I think it begins, it's, it's a challenge where a lot of guys, a lot of high performance guys, a lot of guys that are, that have what I call recognition addiction. Um, It's, it's one of those things that I want to appear vulnerable to. Right. To being this this person that is um, not weak in so much, but weak in terms of the in the public court of appearance because they're struggling with certain things. But uh, you realize and recognize immediately that unless you get this thing straightened out, you were going to be down in that rabbit hole for quite a while. And now you've got a story to share with people, which I got to imagine that's what inspired you to, to start the Embrace the Lion. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. It was, again, answering the question, what needs to die in me to become the man that I said that I would be and recognizing that there was a gap. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there were programs for men. Absolutely. There were, there were programs in the space that I occupied, which was the faith based space, but they were really vanilla. And then on the flip side of that, you've got very military driven, break men down, yell at them programs. And that wasn't really like I didn't want that. So there had to be something kind of for guys like me who like I don't want to be yelled at, but I also don't want super vanilla. Like, help me just move forward. I recognize that I'm good at most things. I recognize that I am a high performer and there's no shame in that. I recognize that I want to build big things and there's no shame in that. But help me create some synergy and balance in the other areas. I'm really good at fixing things, but I can't quite fix my relationship because it's a person and mm-hmm. it's not a hearing problem. It's not a business problem. It's not a KPI. It's not a PNL. Like help me understand the complexities of what it means to be a dad, but to also be a business owner, what it means to be a founder scaling to exit, but also creating time for my friends and family. And even for myself, how do I, how do I create balance while also maintaining an autonomy for myself and my soul? How do I not sacrifice my soul on the altar of my success? Now, that's a message for all men and women to hear. But you've taken the approach where, not so much the approach, but you've made the focus, um, for the most part, what you've called kingdom-minded men. So why did you feel that it was important to start with building up kingdom-minded men in business? Sure. Well, for me, again, I was in ministry for 13 years. And so the frame that I, that I operate from, how I live and move and have my being, is from a Christian perspective. I'm unapologetic about it. It's who I am. It's not for everyone. Uh, And so that being said, the way in which I approach business, the way in which I approach life, the ethics that I operate by, they're going to be based off of those foundational principles. And so for me, again, it made sense. I'm going to walk with kingdom-minded, meaning believers who operate with the same code of morality and ethics and spiritual direction that I do, because if we're not on the same page, it's just there's a lot of things that just aren't going to make sense. That's right. So, you know, that, that, was the, that was the whole framing of it. And so kingdom-minded, meaning that, you know, again, in, in what we call the Lord's Prayer, there is this idea that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so for so many of us, we use this idea of future and this idea of heaven as this escapist theology when really we're just called to bear the kingdom now. So for me, it's walking with men who are interested not only in leaving a legacy, but living a legacy. A legacy only exists when we're present in the moment. I could leave my son a lot of cash, but there's no emotion or there's no memory. There's nothing tied to that outside of a dollar amount. The legacy is in the moments that I spend with him, invest in him, and how I show him what's possible while building something to leave for him. But it's in living that legacy. And that's what being kingdom minded is to me. I love it. I love it. Now, I want to pick your brain a little bit because you often say that you've been able to crack the code in four areas that matter most in order to experience uh, success in life and in business. Can you share with our audience the four areas that you often speak about and why are these so significant? Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. So think of life as a table, right? So there's four legs to the table. And as we start to stack more success, there's more stress. Mm-hmm. With more opportunity, there's more stress. With more stress that's not properly managed, we have more anxiety. When anxiety hits, then that can often lead to depression, isolation, sedation in a lot of ways. And so we've got to think of these legs at the table. How do we keep things balanced, 
respectively, so that we can keep stacking the wins on it. And then how do we deal with that stress and how do we deal with the pressures that come from the complexities of uh, what I would call uh, abundance? Right? So we have four pillars. You can think of them as four legs of a table. So we've got head. That's how we treat our thoughts, how we treat our feelings. It's how we treat our mind. We've got our heart. That's how we treat our relationships. So how you treat your relationship to yourself, how you treat your relationship to others, that would be your family, your friends, your colleagues, right, your business partners, but also how you treat your relationship to your source. I call that God. Your mileage may vary, whatever you want, right? Then there's health. How do you treat your body? How do you treat your body? You got one vessel, right? And I know some of us are more capable than others in certain areas, but it is our responsibility to treat our body well. Like that is how we manage stress, right? Like I'll say all the time, you show me what you do and I'll show you what you actually believe. So then we've got habits and that is how you treat your time. And so how we treat our time, not just in how we treat our personal time, not just how we treat our familial time, but also how do we treat our, our time spiritually? How do we treat our time in business, right? What are our RGAs, our revenue generating activities? What can, I work with a lot of people in business who do some really extraordinary things in business. And so we have to look at how we create efficiency in time uh, as we grow and scale our endeavors again, so we don't sacrifice our soul on the altar of our success. So we've got four pillars, head, heart, health, and habits. How you treat your thoughts and your feelings, how you treat your mind, right? How you treat your relationships with yourself, with others, and your source, how you treat your body, and then how you treat your time. You know, you pick four very significant areas, but I can almost hear some of the guys and some of the listeners thinking, yeah, I I barely have one leg on that table, and this brother wants me to have four, (laughs) right? Yeah, my, my leg is, my table is wobbly. So if you were going to encourage someone to start with one or two of those areas, because, you know, most people who don't, who don't come to the table hungry or willing to learn, they, they, a lot of these folks are a walking mess. So to start somewhere, uh, and you know what I mean by a walking mess, they, they're all over the place. But to start yeah. somewhere of the four areas, what would you encourage someone to start with and why? Which one and why? Start with your habits. Bingo. Like- And show me what you do and I'll show you what you believe. A lot of people say, start with your mindset, start with your belief system. It is far more effective for you to act your way into a new way of feeling than to try to feel your way into a new way of being. Mm -hmm. People will say all the time, you just got to think like a millionaire. You got to think like this. You don't know how, you don't know how anyone like that thinks. Like you're making crazy assumptions that may or may not be true based off of some sort of cognitive bias or based off of a book that you've read or skimmed through or audibled. No, start with what you do with your time. Show me what you do with your day and I'll show you what you believe about yourself. Start to look where the efficiencies are. Start to look where the deficiencies are. Start to look towards those things that are bringing you closer to the goals that you say that you want. You have to clearly define what you want or you're going to walk aimlessly through this life. That's, that's not my words. That's just matter of fact. So you need to take a look at what you're doing every single day. You need to quantify that against what it is that you say that you want in every area of life, personally, professionally, spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally. And then you need to take a really strong, objective look at whether or not what you're actually doing every day is yielding the results that you say that you want. And if not, you need to change what you're doing and you will change the outcome. You know, I'm so happy that you said habits uh, because ultimately all of the other three areas can be formed and shaped by the first one if you do it right. 
If you develop a good habit, you're going to get the health. You're going to have uh, good times with your family. You're going to develop some kind of spiritual grounding. Um, so the habit is, I think, the, the most critical one to start with. In our yeah. last minute before we go to segment, and we're going to start this question, and we've got to carry it over to the next segment, Cody. It's quite all right. Because this is a loaded question. But what is the addiction that most men, uh, what's the addiction that most men in business never talk about? Ooh, that's good. So, you know, there's, there's a few, but I will say that the addiction that, that I see most men never having a conversation about is one, their addiction to the climb, the addiction to accomplishment, the addiction to, the addiction to always being on, the addiction to being a yes man for the sake of the climb. It's not, again, a good or bad thing. It just might not be the most useful thing to getting what it is that we say that we want. And we can talk more about that maybe in the next segment. Absolutely. And we're going to do that right after the break. Hey, friends, me and my wife, we really enjoy cooking great food. That's why I love Chef Gorgie's award-winning cookbook, Zing. It teaches us how to add boldness with ingredients like pomegranates and sumac and barberries, plus user-friendly recipes that use very little sugar or no sugar at all, flavorful ingredients, and simple techniques. It reveals the secrets of Seth Gorgie's signature new Mediterranean cuisine. The award-winning cookbook is available at chefgorgie.com. Former Air Force veteran and new author Victor C. Samwell has written a book, Lost Brothers, to empower and encourage others on how to overcome difficult roadblocks and mental health issues. His own personal story of triumph can be experienced by anyone seeking that type of personal victory. Make sure to pick up your signed copy today of Lost Brothers. You can purchase it at victorsamwell.com. We celebrate the men and women who serve our country as members of the armed forces. The armed forces protect our nation, but they couldn't do that if they were not armed. But we trust our armed forces because they are highly disciplined, highly responsible, and highly trained. I'm Tim Schmidt, founder of the United States Concealed Carry Association, a quiet organization of gun owners who are highly disciplined, highly responsible, and highly trained. USCCA, the responsible gun owners, USCCA.com. Have you seen what's happening with the stock market? Record highs every day. How long can this possibly go on for? By the way, this is exactly what happened right before the 2000.com bubbles burst. Remember that? Protect your savings in retirement by putting them into something safe like real gold and silver. I'm not talking about gold or silver stocks, but into real gold and silver you can actually hold in your hands. How do you get real gold and silver? By calling the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-600-GOLD. Now, the Oxford Gold Group will teach you everything you need to know about owning real gold and silver. It's so much easier than you think. So call the Oxford Gold Group right now at 833-600-GOLD to get your free gold and silver investment guide. The Oxford Gold Group is the only gold and silver company that I trust, and you should too. Get the Oxford Gold Investment Guide today and learn how easy it is to have real gold and silver delivered to your home or how to have real gold and silver in your retirement account. Call the Oxford Gold Group today at 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Two great signals. One great way to keep up with what's happening in your world. KLIF News and Information, 570 AM and 96.3 HD2. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We're going to pick up right where we left off with Cody Jefferson. Cody was asking, was answering the question that I asked regarding addiction, the addiction that most men in business never talk about. So, Cody, can you pick up where you left off? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, there's this addiction to affirmation. There's this addiction to 
being right. There's this addiction to recognition and being the best and being at the top, which again, isn't, it's not a conversation of what's good or bad. It serves to confirm a suspicion and a bias that we've adopted and that we've, we've carried on probably from childhood. And it's the culture in which we live and move and have our being. The problem is, again, we start sacrificing everything that we say that we want at the altar of that. And that's where, that's where the problem really lies is because we start to sacrifice our integrity we start to sacrifice the power of our yes and the power of our no, because when you say yes to everything, your no doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And when your no doesn't mean anything, then as a man, you no longer command respect in the marketplace. You're nothing more than a puppet. You know, part of the challenge of being a yes man, I'm glad you brought that up, because I know for those of us that are that are very ambitious, we are motivated individuals. There, there's always a, another a journey to, to embark on. That's that's high performance men, uh, it's difficult to say no, right? Because you love the challenge, you love the pursuit, uh, we're hunter-gatherers. So yes comes out of our mouth so quickly, it's impulsive. But one of the things I've learned is when I say no, uh, when I say yes, I'm saying no to somebody else that's more important. And that could be my spouse, that could be my kids. So I've learned not to say yes so quickly, although I fail often, but I'm getting better at saying no because I know that that yes to someone else means no to somebody who's way more important. So I'm glad glad you brought that up. But in your opinion and experience, you work with men all over the world. Why is it that so many men struggle with their identity? You know, that's a really great, that's a really, really great question. And I think it's, it's a multifaceted question. I think, I think culture has done a really great job of demonizing masculinity and demonizing what it means to be a man specifically. Uh, we live in a culture that has created a lot of fluidity around ideas. And again, while not necessarily a conversation of politics or anything else, uh, it just becomes a conversation of us as men not really knowing how to stand up or where to stand up or how to step into our power without being assigned labels like toxic or toxic masculinity, right? Like, so we cower. Mm-hmm. And then we enter into paradigms where we're not, we're not necessarily allowed to create that that space of polarity for ourselves. And so then we carry that into our home where then it's not edified because there's no real balance of polarity there either because we were never taught how to do that. And so when, when we're not celebrated for who we're called to be, when we're not, when we're not brought up in a culture that celebrates who we're called to be, uh, when, we, when we've grown up with a low level of emotional intelligence, so we don't really know how to navigate our feelings and our emotions, we've been taught to bury them or put them aside. We live in a culture that just says, man up, be the man, do the work, get it done, tell the truth. But what happens when, it's like, objectively that makes sense, but all we do is equate that, okay, with I need to work harder, okay, I need to do more, okay, mm-hmm. I need to accomplish more, and the problem is like we're human beings. We're not human doings. And so uh, a really great, uh, there's several great books, obviously that, that, that men can read that would really highlight uh, some of the, the ideas of polarity, um, the way of the superior man being one of them as a man thinketh being another, 
really great, extraordinary kind of timeless classics on the, the identity of a man from a masculine perspective and how that balances with the feminine and how we create that polarity both in life and in business that was never taught to us, that was homogenized by culture, that was homogenized by standardized school system, that mm-hmm. was homogenized by media. And again, not to get on a soapbox here, it's just men aren't allowed to be men anymore. We're not allowed to be men in marketplace. We're not allowed to be men in our homes. We're not allowed to be men anywhere. And so when you rob a man of his purpose and you rob a man of his identity, he becomes a ship now at sea without a rudder. You know, I'm so happy you said that. And you certainly, we can go off for another hour on how society, media, over the last 20, 30 years has muddied the water and what a man needs to identify himself as. And I don't think that's getting any better, by the way. I really don't think that's getting any better. That's why the work that you're doing is so important because hopefully through that effort, yours and a number of others, uh, the next generation will begin to regain ground on the identity of a man and hopefully that'll continue to, to, to duplicate itself moving forward. But I was telling my son the other day, my son's 11 years old. And how old is your son, by the way? My son is six. Yeah. So you're going to have these conversations in a couple of years. My, my son's getting to that preteen age and we're talking about, uh, you know, what it means to be a man and, and having sure. manners and that kind of stuff. And uh, I said to him, I said, look, you, ha-, and he, I know it went over his head, but I wanted to plant that seed. I said, his name is Caleb. I said, yeah. Caleb, you have to first make sure that you know who you are, that you're solid. You've got solid footing on who you are as a man, as a person, long before you decide as a father to become a role model to your to your children. Make sure that you know who you are so that way there isn't any wind of change that can come to take you off course from who you know you are. And that, that's going to take some work these days, brother. That's going to take some work. So I know it went over his head, but I hope that I planted that seed enough so that he continues to think that through. So hopefully by the time he's in his early 20s or, or before that, he's solid in who he knows he is because identity these days, man, that's why I asked the question. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. But yeah. what do men tend to do? Let's talk about perceived shortcomings, right? Because we all have them, especially the more ambitious we are, the more we think we're falling short. What do men tend to do to compensate when they have these perceived shortcomings? Oh, so that's where toxic behaviors come into play, right? So masculinity in and of itself can't be, that's not a, it's not a paradigm that can be toxic any more than femininity can, right? They're, they're, they're constructs, they're, uh, the polarities. So they can't be toxic, but behaviors can, thoughts and patterns can. And so when a man, again, doesn't know how to relate to himself, uh, what does tend to happen? He tends to isolate. Uh, at times he can potentially become aggressive. At other times he can pull away from deep, meaningful relationships in his life because he'd rather focus on the things that he can solve, which is work and which is progress moving forward towards, again, solving problems on a balance sheet versus looking into the complexities of his own soul. Um, It can lead to sedation and medication, isolation, Mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, retreat, withdrawal. It it leads to a, a host of complications and a host of of unhealthy patterns that are not useful. Uh, but what happens is those become normalized. And when those become normalized, then those become routine. And when those become routine and those become habits and that establishes the baseline of a belief system. And so this is the only way that we know how to cope with these certain feelings that we have that we've never been taught to process or even been allowed to feel. And so what do we do? We, we sedate or we isolate. 
You know, I love that. Sedate or we isolate. And that is spot on, brother. You know, I, I often have conversations with men, even in my own sales organization. I tell them, look, guys, here's the best news about when you fail. It's okay to forgive yourself because failure is forgiving. Failure is forgiving unless you hold a grudge. <laughs> so you're holding a grudge against yourself. Um, but failure is forgiving and it's okay to fail. It's okay to fall down. It's okay to, to, to sometimes even fall away. It's okay to fall on board as long as you don't fall overboard. And uh, otherwise you're right. You, they can get into this place. We can all get into this place uh, where we feel less than and then we begin to isolate and sedate and everything is exactly what you just said. And it's such well, an easy way to do that. I'm sorry, you were saying? I was going to say that to just echo what you're saying, failure is also feedback. When we can, when we can remove failure as an identity marker and an assignment, and we can look at failure as nothing more than feedback towards something that was not useful, not healthy, or didn't work in the ways in which we intended, then we remove the shame, the guilt, the doubt, and the need to hide, prove, and protect. And we, we are able to see it as data points towards something that was, was quantifiable towards what we want or what we don't want. And so, again, failure isn't an assignment. Failure is not an identity marker. Failure is nothing more than feedback, which can absolutely lead to forgiveness. And when we can forgive ourselves, that will ultimately point to the fruit. Failure is feedback. Beautifully said, brother. I'm making notes of that one. That is actually dead on and a brilliant, brilliant point. Now, I know that you, I I write a lot about uh, topics that deal with recognition, addiction, validation, addiction. And I know yeah. you speak about this often, um, but is this something that you find can be very destructive in the lives of men? I mean, men and women, mm-hmm. right? Especially those of us who are front facing in leadership. So typically I do a lot of work with like emotional intelligence. So we're looking at like Enneagram personality types. So those who are typically ENFJs, threes, ones, eights on the, on the Enneagram. These are either control freaks, people who love to be in the spotlight, so they're performers, or they're perfectionists. And typically this all stems from childhood and the ways in which we coped to receive love from emotionally unstable or unavailable parents. And so we needed to either perform to create a sense of safety for ourselves and we could never really, we never really learned how to process our own feelings because we were managing the feelings of others uh, at any given time as we grew up. And so that's who I talked to. Right. Those are the people I talk to, the people who are the pastors, the people who are the leaders, the visionaries, the founders, those who are front facing in leadership, because we have a unique bend towards us, a unique complexity, because we're so used to wearing the mask and we're so good at wearing the mask of performance that we actually don't know who we are when we take it off. We don't know how to take it off, which is why things can get so destructive behind the scenes, because, again, we're only as good as our last performance or only as good as our last, you know, affirmation. We're only as good as the last medal or trophy that we received. And so does it become destructive? Absolutely. Because again, we, we start to tie our self-worth to what we can do and accomplish and how people see us. And so this creates a paradigm of fear and anxiety around the constant idea that we may let people down around us, uh, which again leads to behind the scenes, um, sedation, isolation, feeling like we can't be known, uh, we can be seen. And, and, and right now we live in a culture where people are desperate to be known. Look at social media, desperate to be known, but we will settle for being seen. We will settle for the comments, the likes, the shares. We will settle for the accolades mm-hmm. in the after- rather than someone knowing the core of our character and the depth of our soul. 
You know, I love that. I said we're settling for that uh, that validation that comes from social media without knowing who we are from the inside and the value that we carry, whether or not somebody smashes that like button based uh, that we post, right? Um, I want to ask you in our final few minutes here, the lying in method. Very intriguing. Sure. I know there's tons of, uh, of men that have gone through that, but, but tell us about the lying method. Lion method, again, stacks on the four pillars of, of ETL, embrace the lion. So we've got head, heart, health, and habits. And so what we do is we walk men through a 90-day program. And then there's, there's an ascension on the back end of that. Uh, but Lion Method specifically, what we're looking at is we're looking at addressing those four core areas. And so we look at how we train and treat our body every day. We look at the core areas of our relationships and the fundamentals of those relationships are tied to our spiritual development, how we treat our thoughts and our feelings every single day, and then a robust look at how we treat our time. And so there, again, is a high form of uh, coaching and then a, a robust accountability and community because again men like us we need a brotherhood to belong to to celebrate us to champion us because for so many of us we play at 60 percent because it's good enough to get us by i know your program works because the stats that are posted up on your site posted up on your linkedin profile are absolutely staggering and true testimonies of success Cody, I appreciate you being on the show, brother. And I want you to know that you always have an open mic here for any projects, any programs that you are promoting in the future. You always have an open mic here, brother. Thank you. That's an honor. And I I don't take that lightly. Thank you. Guys, we're going to have Cody's information up at our website. Folks, we'll be right back with our author spotlight right after the break. Hey, everyone. Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I want to encourage you to visit my merchandise store. You can find it at thejmamie.com. A number of my inspirational, thought-provoking, action-stoking phrases and quotes that have been so much in demand over the last four or five years now are available in print. You can print them on your favorite coffee mug, print them on a poster, take my thrive-minded content with you wherever you go. Visit my store at thejmamie.com. Hi, my name is Darrell Graham with Transworld Business Advisors here in Grapevine, Texas. Have you ever considered selling your business or would you like to know what your business is worth? We offer a variety of services to help business owners maximize their liquidity when they decide to sell their business. There are no upfront costs and there are no hidden fees. If you'd like to contact me, please call me at 214-729-2033 or you can email me at dgram at tworld.com or visit my website at tworld.com forward slash grapevine. TACLB 26616. Get an on-time experts revitalizer for just 82 bucks. I 100% guarantee no AC breakdowns all summer long. Schedule before April 15th. The arrive same day or it's free. Fix your AC right, guys. The ontimeexperts.com. As the coronavirus pandemic continues to surge, healthcare officials are working around the clock to get as many people vaccinated as possible. In DFW, vaccination megacenters have been set up in Dallas, Tarrant, and Collin counties. But you must pre-register. Walk-up appointments are not available. Anyone interested in getting a shot should contact their respective health department to register. A link to sign up for your vaccination is on our website at KLIF.com. KLIF News and Information, 570 AM, 96.3 HD2. Jay Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We've got our feature author spotlight on the line with us right now. I mentioned earlier, Matt McDarby is quite the sales leader 
quite the the author as well. But more than that, he's the founder and president of United Sales Resources. As I said earlier, he's also a professional sales leader. He's the, also the author of two books on sales leadership, The Cadence of Excellence, Key Habits of Effective Sales Managers, and his latest book, The Ultimate Differentiator, The Sales Manager's Guide for Talent Development. I'm glad he's on the show. We can certainly speak volumes on this topic. Matt, welcome on the show. Jay, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you. Brother, before we get started, I'd like for you to share a little bit about yourself with our audience so that way we know where you've come from and what's led you up to this point. Well, like a lot of people who are in sales roles today, I didn't, I didn't necessarily grow up uh, thinking I would be in a sales job. Uh, in fact, it was uh, a recession going back to the beginning of my career that sort of forced me into the profession. So I was kind of reluctant. Uh, I wanted to, uh, I, left, I left college um, with an English degree of all things. Um, started out as a marketing major and unfortunately, between managerial accounting and calculus, uh, I realized maybe that wasn't for me. <laughs> so, so I moved Real over news and information. <laughs> I moved over to, to an uh, English curriculum, and because uh, I'm a writer, I love writing. Mm-hmm. It's a natural skill. So I left school thinking, okay, I'm going to go out and get a PR job. I'll be, you know, I'll be doing all sorts of writing. Well, the trouble was. Those jobs were available. You just had to do them for free. Mm. Uh, so, and uh, I had student loans and, and bills to pay. So um, out of necessity, my first real job was a sales job back in the New York area. I grew up in northern New Jersey and um, worked for an IT services company. They were the first ones to take a chance on me. And it turns out uh, I had some of the skills required to be effective as a salesperson. I was able to dial the phone. I was able to communicate and listen. And uh, I worked hard. So really, you know, that goes back, what, 25, more than 25 years ago. And uh, my story is not all that different from a lot of people. It it was uh, a lot of sort of uh, on-the-job learning. Um, In the first eight to maybe eight to ten years of my career, I was a pretty average seller. You know, I'd hit my targets but didn't blow them out. And it wasn't really until I had a great uh, manager and a great coach or set of coaches until that that was really the moment where my production – turned around and I became a consistently, you know, well above target kind of a seller. And then because of my performance, I was able, you know, promoted into sales management roles, but I never really forgot the impact that that first great manager that I had had on me and how uh, he changed my outlook on the work and really, you know, that whole team of people who were responsible for my development in that job, I owe a lot of my success to. And so everything I do now is sort of paying back, um, you know, writing books and coaching and advising sales leaders and sales management teams. It's all about creating the kind of environment where you can take people like me who had a lot of the raw skill and desire, but just needed some coaching, needed some help. How do you create that environment in your organization so that when you hire people, they can actually come in and be successful? So what inspired you to write now your second book? Well, a couple of things. So the first book was about the number one problem that all sales managers face, which is I don't have enough time to do a few really important things well. So that's what the first book, Cadence of Excellence, is about. Second book is really about people and talent, because if you've achieved some mastery over that time and prioritization problem that I addressed in the first book, the very next thing that you tend to realize is, okay, I haven't done enough to really make sure that I've got the right kind of people to be successful in this business because, you know, every business has 
know, whatever, whatever its desired outcome is, whatever that result is that I'm trying to achieve, whether I'm a business owner or a sales manager, um, you know, I can't necessarily achieve it if I don't have the right kinds of people. So the second book, The Ultimate Differentiator, is just about the kind of the talent cycle and how can you take, uh, you know, uh, kind of a, a programmatic or a systematic approach to looking at the talent that you have and making decisions in the right time about the people and whether they're the people who can deliver the result that you want. What does that mean in terms of how you need to coach and develop them, or perhaps you need to upgrade and replace, right? So the whole book is about for sales managers who are accustomed to sort of outsourcing this whole talent management discipline to other people like human resources or recruiters or that the message is, no, 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 you own that, Mr. or Mrs. Sales Manager. You have to take responsibility for that talent cycle. And I just give them a simple way of looking at it so that, a, you know, somebody who hasn't been responsible for building talent in an organization can, can figure out where to start. So how is that different from your first book? Because I want to dive into the second book, but you've got an effective first book out as well, The Cadence of Excellence. Uh, how is that yeah. different from the first book? They're both uh, full of you know, pretty practical, actionable ideas. The, the difference between the second book, Ultimate Differentiator, and the first is that the practical recommendations and, and the changes that I'm encouraging the reader to make deal specifically with the human beings that you have to hire and retain, coach and develop and, you know, and, and potentially replace and, and recruit new. Um, so really it's a, it's just a practical guide to thinking like a talent manager mm-hmm. when your title says you're a sales manager. That's really what that book is about. So there is a, uh, certainly a, a major difference between the first book and the second book. Focusing Absolutely. on this, this, this latest writing though, you and I had a conversation about the flaws that many companies uh, have where the focus of their sales training and their, their investments of sales training programs really are geared towards the salesperson. But 80% of that investment never really sees an ROI, right? Only very few salespeople ever rise to the level of the investment that was made into them. But yet companies do it year after year, year after year. Let's talk about that fatal flaw that, that many companies commit with their sales yeah. training initiatives. What have you seen specifically yeah. to, to expound on that? Yeah, yeah. Well, before writing these books and before starting my own practice, I worked in that sales training industry. And I was selling uh, you know, sales training programs to really big global organizations. And you know, what I noticed over time was we were delivering the same training, the same methods, the same tools delivered by the same trainers and consultants. But one organization would get great results and another would just get sort of, you know, ho-hum, uh, you know, not much lift. The difference between the organizations that got great results and the ones that didn't get great results was not, you know, the training for the salespeople. It was the degree to which the people in sales management roles were first bought in to the idea that they needed to get better and that they actually had some capability, right? They actually had the potential to get better at the job. So I think the fatal flaw that a lot of organizations commit, and not, not only big organizations, but small ones, mm-hmm. they, spend, they spend a fair amount of money training salespeople and don't give a second thought to whether their sales managers actually have the capability to coach and develop and lead. So, you know, I don't know how many billions of dollars today get spent on sales training. If 10% of that today goes toward sales management development, I would say that's nowhere near enough, right? I, I think if you've got 
uh, you know, regardless of the size of your organization, if you've got a dollar uh, in, to spend on development for people in your sales organization, spend that dollar first on sales managers. Make sure that they are equipped, enabled, and effective enough to lead their people. Because if you spend the money on training reps uh, who then report to and are led by ineffective managers, you might as well just burn that dollar, right? It's, it's not going to get you any sort of return. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. I still see organizations making that mistake. They, they make very little commitment in terms of dollars, time, and resources to sales management development initiatives. And that's, a, that's an enormous mistake. And I've got about, you know, 18 years of experience seeing that firsthand. I, I really wish organizations would spend first on sales managers. You know, one of the things that I believe is also critical in the area of developing a strong sales force is obviously, as you're referencing and, and as, as your book talks about, training the sales directors and the superiors. But how important is identity influence for sales directors and their superiors as well? The ability to influence others is the job, I think. That is the work. Knowing how to get to a point where your people are functioning effectively, they can do their jobs the way that they need to when you're not there is critical, right? Otherwise, you know, what, what is a sales director or leader there for, right? If, I've, if I'm a sales director and I've got to be with my team all the time to make sure that they're doing their jobs the way uh, we expect them to, then I, you know, what, what do I need them for? That's right. You know? That's right. The point of being able to grow and scale a business is that you've got a team of people who are out there functioning effectively. So being able to influence really boils down to, it's a very simple formula for me, and it's actually spelled out in, in both books in different ways. But it's, you know, if I'm going to influence somebody, I've got to be clear on a few things. One, what am I actually asking them to do differently? Two, what are the conclusions that they're going to need to draw in order to be motivated to take those different actions that I want them to take? And then three, you know, adult humans, if you really want to influence them, you really can't tell them anything, right? You've got to help them come to those conclusions on their own. How do we do that? We ask questions. So it's to revert in reverse order, right? What questions do I need to ask in order to ensure that the people that I'm trying to influence come to the conclusions that they need to so that they will be motivated to take the action that I need them to take when I'm not there. And that's, that's influence in a nutshell. And our last few seconds before we wrap up here, because it's been a fantastic segment so far, if a sales director, sales manager, or CEO is listening to the show, and we do have a, a bunch of them listening to the show, what's the takeaway that you want them to know now? Uh, I think we all know, people in those roles know this, this job is hard. Sales management is the pivotal role. It's the most challenging role in any business. And with deference to other, other roles, I, uh, hands down, it's the most difficult I think the, uh, if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling really challenged in the job you're in, the best way to attack it is to, you know, just break, break things down, try to con only worry about controlling the controllables. And what can we control? We control how we prioritize, how we use our time. We control how we plan, how we communicate with others. And those are really, there's a kind of a short list of things that we can control. So I think the number one takeaway is if you're, new to the job and unsure how to approach it, or if you've been doing the job for a few decades and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed or unsure about how to go forward, remember, there are controllables that you can, you can take control over right now. That's what these books are that I've written. They're all about. Be encouraged. There are a bunch of other people who are challenged to do this job too. And if we just work at it, 
and don't look at this complex function as being, you know, impossible. Well, Matt, I appreciate you being on the show. You brought tremendous value. We're going to put our books up. We're going to put your books up, rather, <laughs> on our site so that our listeners can go and check them out and, and pick them up as valuable resources to their organizations. So thanks for being on the show. Folks, that's a wrap. We'll see you next Sunday on the J. Mamie Talk Show.